All right, I want to welcome all of our campuses and those that are joining us online. I want to welcome you guys as well to the fourth week of our series entitled Comeback Stories. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. Man, Baton Rouge, Biloxi, those in Metairie, of course here at Little Creek and all around the world online. Man, we're so excited to have you guys. We are in a five-part series looking in Scripture at different men and women of God that made a comeback. You know, I said week one, there's always something on the inside of us. Those of you that like sports, you know, I, I'm a sports enthusiast. There's, there's something, even if you don't like sports, there's something on the inside of us. You just want to see somebody, whether it's the last few moments of the game or the fourth quarter, the last inning, whatever. There's something about just somebody making a comeback. It just ignites something in us. I think maybe it's because, you know, if, if, it, if it happened to them, maybe it could happen for, for us. Week one, we looked at a biblical character, Jonah, and how he made a comeback, and prodigal son two weeks ago. Last week, we looked at Peter. My, by the way, if you were not here, I want to strongly encourage you to get that message. I talked about overcoming failure. Today, I want to look at actually two women. In the Old Testament, I want to look at a woman named Naomi, and I want to look at a woman named Ruth, and how they experienced a comeback in God. I do want to say as well, for all of our campuses, I don't want you to miss next week. I'm going to be teaching. I've never taught on this biblical character a whole message on Samson out of the book of Judges. Out of the book of Judges. Judges 13, 14, 15, 16. If you want to go ahead and read for next week. I'm very excited about that today. I want to talk to you out of the Old Testament book of Ruth. The Old Testament book of Ruth. About Ruth and Naomi. A powerful a powerful mother or mother-in-law. Naomi and her daughter-in-law Ruth. Speaking of moms. And I want to say this. I love my mom. And uh, it's interesting. My mom comes to the church and... And uh, it's funny, we still, she still, actually, she still tries to correct my messages. How many of you know that's not cool? <laughs> Thought I'd just say that. She was a principal. She thinks I'm still in class. But anyway, uh, you know, today we're going to talk about disappointment. We're going to talk about loss. And I had a great relationship with my mom. And generally, uh, I've been happy with my mom. But I will say this. There are times I've been big time frustrated with it. Let me, let me just kind of do a public confession here. For example... I want to say this. For example, when I was a, a teenager, I'd come home, and I'll never forget this one time I came home. I said, Mom, i got to ask you a question. Where's those shorts that I like? Like, where are my favorite shorts? She goes, oh, well, you know, they had holes in them, and so I just kind of just took it upon myself, and, I, and I, I threw them away. I said, you threw them away? And by the way, there were two shirts. Well, they were all ripped up. They looked terrible. And, and I said, there's a couple. And I know this is church. I want to be careful, respectful. But there was some underwear that I just like. Why, why? And she goes, why threw those away? They had holes. And I said, Mom, that's illegal. You can't do that. You can't just throw away my stuff just because you think that it has holes in it. That's actually when it starts getting good. And then a phenomenon happened. You guys ready for this? This is a phenomenon. Well, I got married, Jennifer. About two years in our marriage, I came home one day and said, Honey, where's those shorts that I like? 
And I noticed a couple of missing pair of underwear and some t-shirt. What she goes, oh, they had holes in them. And so I thought I would just throw them away. I said, let me just tell you something. Don't, and I said this respectfully, don't ever touch my shorts. I don't, those are mine. Okay, I could call, listen, I could report you. I want to just speak on behalf of all of the male species to all of the women in their lives. Don't touch their underwear. Don't touch their shorts. Don't touch their t-shirts. It's theirs in Jesus' name. I just had to get that off of my spirit. Is that all right? Can I just kind of just, thought I'd just share that. It has nothing to do with the message, but I just wanted to do kind of. On a more sober note, there are times in our lives where we lose things that are not just material things like that. But there's times when we experience loss and disappointment and setbacks. It's very painful. And how you, by the way, how you deal with loss, how you deal with setbacks, how you deal with, how you deal with disappointment in life. And by the way, there's a difference between failure and loss. And let me explain the difference, all right? They're close. Last week I talked about Peter and how Peter dealt with failure. Failure is often it's often connected to your own personal choices. Now, sometimes it's circumstantial. Sometimes it's out of your control. But, but oftentimes when we talk about failure, we're talking about a choice we made or a choice we didn't make, and it impacted our well-being or somebody else. Disappointment's a little bit different. Loss is a little bit different in this sense. Loss. Loss often happens to us. In other words, it's part of the human dilemma. It's part of us being human beings. We live in a fallen, broken world. And the older that you get, you experience things in life. You experience loss. Now, here's the question. How you deal with loss? How do you deal with loss? Just like failure, very similar to last week. How you deal with failure and today, how you deal with loss and disappointment largely determines whether or not you walk into your future with confidence. Many people's faith is broken right there when they experience loss. Because they misinterpret God's intention. They begin to blame God for things. And they begin to, you know, in their mind, indict God and His goodness. Where's God? And, and if He did this to me. And yet we forget that we live in a broken, fallen world. Remember this. God is not against you. God is for you. God is one trying to help you go through the loss that you may have experienced in your life. And, and, and I want to open the Bible to a story that I think is one of the most powerful depictions of, of loss and disappointment and then how a miracle can come out of that. And I want to say this, loss and disappointment, those of you that specifically have experienced loss and disappointment in a relationship, here's one of the things that I found, and in a sense this is somewhat of the thesis and theme for today. When you experience loss in a relationship and you experience hurt in a loss of relationship. What's so cool is that God often brings a relationship into your life where hurt from the first loss, God brings help and healing from the second ad. In other words, God uses people in your life to bring healing. When people hurt you, God often brings people to help heal you. Yes. God uses kingdom relationships. Ah, man, I'm never going to go there. Man, I've lost. And this happened to me. and I, there, was a, there was a situation in my life. And, and, and so we begin to wall off. You're going to see in this that, that, that part of the human dilemma, I know that we experience loss, but God uses people to bring his life and grace often into our lives amidst loss. So here's the backdrop of the story. I want everybody to follow me, all of our campuses. I'm going to... 
I'm, I want to talk to you about two women in the Old Testament. So here's, here's the setup. In Israel, modern-day Israel, of course, the city specifically is Bethlehem and Judah. So just think about modern-day Israel. There's a couple, all right? The couple, the man's name is Elimelech, and the wife's name is Naomi. So you've got Elimelech and Naomi, and they have two boys, right? So you've got this family with two boys. The problem was in Israel as they were experiencing famine. So they heard that across the river, the Jordan River, they heard that in Moab, which is where modern-day Jordan would be, the nation, that country of Jordan, they heard that they had food. So here's what they did. One day, Elimelech and Naomi take the two boys, they cross the river, and they go into Moab because Moab has food. They start eating food. They start putting down roots. They start connecting. And yet the boys begin to grow up. They go to their mom and their dad one day and they say, Mom, I know that it's according to Hebrew tradition that we are supposed to take Hebrew wives. The problem is, is that we're now living in Moab. It doesn't look like in, in, in any short time that we're going to be back home. We're kind of that age, Mom. Dad, we're kind of, well, we're that age. Would it be okay? Would you think about this? Pray about this. Would it be okay? We'd like to take Moabite. These two Moabite girls, we'd like to marry them. Are you okay with that? We're not going home anytime soon. And the mom and the dad said yes. So, I mean, it's one happy family now. You've got this Jewish family, Elimelech and Naomi, two boys living in Moab because of famine over here on the other side of the river. They now have brought two Moabite girls into their family. And they're so excited. Matter of fact, the dad gets this lake house and they're going to have kids and the grandkids are going to race there and it's going to be awesome. And they're so excited about the possibilities of the future. But then something happens. One day, and the Bible records this, we don't know exactly how it happened. But one day, Elimelech passed away. That would have been bad enough. He was a little bit older. But not only did he die, and Naomi is now a widow, but the two boys died. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. And now the two girls are widows as well. Naomi goes to the two girls. The two girls' names are Orpah. Okay, in the Bible, when you look at it, it looks like Oprah, you know, like the lady on TV. It's not Oprah. Oprah's not in the Bible, and you're not in the Bible. I'm not in the Bible, but Orpah is in the Bible. Are you all with me? So Orpah, everybody say Orpah, and say Ruth. So these are the two daughter-in-laws, and they have a conversation with Naomi one day. And Naomi begins to share something with the two girls. And it was, again, they're all crying. They're all upset. Why? Because, listen, number one, their father-in-law, her husband died. And the two boys died. Their husbands died. Talk about a lot of loss. And how are they going to respond? I want to say this to you again. How you respond to disappointment and loss will largely determine how you walk into your future. Wow. You've got to see that today. The Bible, we pick up in Ruth chapter 1, verse 14, and they're now having the conversation. Watch the different responses. Naomi and Ruth and Orpah. We pick up first in Ruth chapter 1, 
verse 14 to 17. Here's what the Bible says. Then they lifted up their voices and they wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her. And she said, look at your sister-in-law. She's gone back to her people and to her gods. Return, return, go with her. Go with her to Moab. You don't want to follow me. But Ruth said this. Man, this is so powerful. Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Naomi talks to the two girls. And, and one girl, Orpah, comes up to her. Watch this. She comes up to her and she kisses her on the cheek. She whispers in her ear, thank you for everything. And the Bible says she goes back to Moab. That's Orpah. But the other girl's totally different. The other girl walks up to her, Ruth, and they've got tears in their eyes. And she puts her arms around her and says, I'm not going anywhere. You're not pushing me away. No, no, no. Matter of fact, where do you go, I go. Your land's going to be my land. Your people are going to be my people. Your God is going to be mine. Matter of fact, where you are buried, I'm going to be buried there. In other words, in other words, the first one was a kisser. The second one was a cleaver. I'm not going anywhere. So interesting that Ruth saw something in Naomi. Ruth saw a picture. In, a, in other words, she saw destiny in that relationship. Question, do you see God-ordained destiny in the relationships around you? The first girl said, "You listen, it's, it's, it's okay, I'm going back. But the second one says, no, 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 you don't understand. I see something. God put us together. I want your God to be my God. I want your people to be my people. I'm not get, you're not getting rid of me that quick. No way, no way. In other words, in other words, in other words, Ruth said, my destiny is tied up in your destiny. And I'm going to hold on. Question, is there any relationships in your life that you see that God has brought into your life that, that, that have been divine relationships? Now, let me give you some qualifications. Your most important relationship is your relationship with God Almighty. Your most important earthly relationship is with your spouse, your covenant relationship. But there are relationships, there are other human relationships under that where divine relationships. I'm not talking about casual season. I'm talking about where they, were, they, 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 they pushed you and made you better in God. They were critical in your time of loss that you walk with them and, and they walk with you. And, and they spoke the word of the Lord. They multiplied and added to your life. Oh, we all have casual relationships that, I mean, you can just take them or leave. I'm not talking about that. Like, what's up? I'm, not I'm talking about covenant relationship. God relationships. Question, is there any God covenant relationship where God brought people into your life that made you a better Christ follower? That helped you through your time of loss? Ruth saw destiny in her relationship with Naomi. 
And it helped her to overcome disappointment in life. My friend, I want to say this. You don't have to die in disappointment. You don't have to give up when there's loss in your life or setback. Matter of fact, I believe if you'll recognize the God relationship, maybe it's somebody in your small group. Maybe it's somebody that you met at church. Maybe it's somebody around you. But it's a godly friendship that, that, that God has brought into your life for a strategic purpose. God knows. Listen, he's the Alpha and the Omega. That's the beginning and the end. Couldn't it be that God put that person in your life because he knew what you were going to go through and he knew what you needed to be able to walk through that with? I want to talk to you about three things about godly relationships and how God brings people into your life to actually help you to walk through loss and disappointment. Number one, three truths about God-given relationship. Number one, embracing God-given relationships requires discernment. Requires discernment. Not all relationships are the same. Again, we have our relationship with God. We have our relationship with our spouse. But not all other relationships are the same. Some are more casual, but there are those God relationships that are so critical to your destiny and future. They add to your life. They multiply your life. They breathe life into you. It's going to require discernment. We need to discern and hear the voice of Jesus when it comes to relationship. God will speak to us. Think about Ruth. She just, she's a young woman, and she just experienced tremendous loss. Talk about a setback. And by the way, in Bible times, it wasn't just that she lost her physical companion, Ruth, I'm talking about. It wasn't just that she lost the possibility of emotional or physical connection. It wasn't that at all. That was part of it. But it was more than that. It was also economic. When you lose your husband in Bible times, it's, it's, it's the possibility of resources. She potentially could be subjugated to poverty. Subjugated to just a, a lifestyle of slavery because she didn't have any other way. It was so critical. So it was physical. It was financial. It was emotional. And that's why Naomi said to her, listen, in essence, I'm an older woman now. My womb's not going to produce any more boys for you girls. You're young. You have the whole future ahead of you. You got to go back and get a hug. I, I, can't, I can't produce for you. Think of the risk. Think of the risk that Ruth took when she clung to a woman that could no longer produce a husband, a boy, which would have been her husband. Think of that. But she discerned something. She saw a God. She said, no, no, no. Look at Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you. She discerned a seed of destiny in that relationship. I believe that God brings some relationships into our life for that divine purpose. For some reason, we may not understand it. And God's sovereignty, we may not understand all of it. But God does it and how he does it and the way he does it and why he does it. Because God has designed each of us to become a man or a woman of God and the purposes of God and how they're manifested in our life. And we go through life and there's loss in our lives. And, we don't, and God doesn't want us to stop there, but he wants us to move on. It's often that God relationship that pulls us into our purpose, that pulls us into the future that God has for our life. I, I, I think, and I don't want to embarrass anybody in our church, but I think of an amazing, amazing opportunity that I had Friday night. I had the opportunity Friday night to do a wedding. I don't do a lot of weddings. I just want to go on record saying that I can't because I preach all weekend. But, but I had an opportunity to do a wedding for Pastor Chris Callahan and Mallory Springer, who's now Mallory Callahan. 
And I began to think about it, and I began to choke up, because in that, I, I, I know the whole story of Chris, who came to this church at 19 years old, who experienced, listen, he's like a spiritual son to him. He is a spiritual son. And I know what happened four years ago when he was married, and, and then a year after that, his, his first wife passed away. And let me tell you something. Can you imagine what was going through his mind? Can you imagine, I'm a pastor, I'm a young pastor, and why did this happen to me? Have you ever compared yourself with people that are not in the world, and it looks like things are going better for them than even you? You ever done that before? And all the lies of the enemy, man, where the enemy's just there to try to lie and indict God and, and suggest that God's not good. And that's not true at all. But it was those God relationships. Everybody say God relationships. It was those godly relationships that pulled Chris and, and walked with Chris during that time. And then, by the way, I got to meet, uh, I got to have a conversation and hear her whole life story. Mallory last Monday as well. And it was interesting. She and her family came over here after Hurricane Katrina as a young girl and, and came to Christ in the church. And she's 25 now. But what she said was so powerful. She goes, Pastor Steve, there's some women that have been in my life that were like moms to me. And they, they, they mothered me and spoke life into me. In other words, and she said, and by the way, at the wedding, by the way, guess what? I saw two of them sitting right there. Question, is there anybody in your life have you allowed anyone into your life? By the way, do you want, to, you want to know when you need people? Here it is. Here's a memo from heaven. Here's when you need people. It's when you need them. Wasn't that profound? Can't y'all tell I've been to Bible college? I'm so profound. The question is, are you positioned in godly relationships to be in your life during that time? I, I'll never forget a number of years ago, I... Uh, I went to college and graduated in 1991. Then I went to Bible college and graduated in 93. Then I moved back to New Orleans and started at the Baptist Seminary. And, and I started a high school ministry. I was part of starting it. And, and of course, many of you have heard of Next Generation. I remember in 1995, uh, I was looking for a mentor. And the reason why is because I was speaking to high school and junior high kids in public schools. It wasn't like a youth pastor. I, I felt like there was a lot of different youth pastors I could model after. But this was different. I needed somebody that dealt with, 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 with kids that were outside of church. They weren't in church necessarily. And this is amazing. So I, I, I mean, I get on a pursuit. I'm like, man, I'm going to find somebody who's going to help me. How to shape talks and stuff and, and non-church environments. And so I had a book. And the book was written by a man named Winky Prattney. Some of y'all may have known him if you've been Christians for a while. And it was called Youth of Flame. It was a very powerful book in the Jesus movement. A lot of people used it reaching young people. And the back of the book was a number. Now, I'm 25 years old, okay? This is 26 years ago, almost 26 years ago. And, and, and so I, 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 in the back of the book is a number, and I, call, I said, I'm just going to call the number. And the guy answers the phone, Winky. He goes, hello. He's from New Zealand. He goes, hello. That's a pretty good accent. And so he's, and, and he's, and I, so I began to tell him, I said, oh, Mr. Prattney, I said, listen, I'm looking for a mentor and I need somebody and I, I've read your book and it's so good. I, I need to learn how to reach kids that are outside of church. And he said to me, he goes, I'm not the person to help you. You need to, you need to talk to the best person who talks to junior high, high school kids in America. He can help you and mentor you. I said, well, who, what, what's his name? Jacob Aranza. I said, Really? Where did, and I'm thinking he lives in New York or, you know, or Los Angeles or Dallas because, you know, everybody's a Christian lives there. And so and it's like you go up to Jerusalem, go up to Dallas. But anyway, so and so and so I just thought, sure. And so he goes, he goes, he lives in Lafayette, Louisiana. I said, 
are you kidding me, Lafayette? I said, I'm from Louisiana. He goes, really? I said, I'm two hours from there, man. I'm in New Orleans. He goes, he goes it's crazy. He goes, well, he goes, I don't have his number, but you, you, I, you just need to try to find him. Two days after that, I was working with Next Generation. I was working with different churches in the area, and I would equip the churches to get into schools. And so I was working with Faith Church, which was in New Orleans East. Many of you have known of Faith Church. It's a great church led by Pastor Charles Green for many, many years. And what's so interesting is, is the youth pastor at the time was Sam Hawkins. Pastor Sam was on our staff now. So I told Pastor Sam... At the time, we were just friends, and I was helping their church, and they were working with kids with us. And so I said, Sam, I just need a mentor. I need somebody to help me with this. And he says, Steve, you need a, the best person in America is, is, is Jacob Aranza. Everybody say, God. How many you know God? Listen, I got a thick skull. All right, I just want to let you all know this. But how many you know in two days apart, when two different men of God who had no conversation tell you the same thing, God may be talking. Are y'all with me? So you know what I did? He had his number. I called him. He was speaking the next week in Mamou, Louisiana. That's a big city. It's a thriving metropolis. It's as big as Houston. And so it's, I, I drove all the way there. I met him, and he became a mentor for five years, speaking to kids. He's a, he was the best speaker in America related to teenagers that were in public at high schools and junior highs. And he's been a pastor to me for 20 years. It's a God relationship. It's a God relationship. I discerned that God was bringing somebody into my life to help me, to, to, to challenge me. Ruth saw destiny in that relationship with Naomi. Number one, the first thing, truth about this is embracing God-given relationship, it requires discernment. Number two, embracing God-given relationships requires courage. Requires courage. Look at Ruth chapter 1, verse 15, and she said, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Think about this for a moment. Naomi looked at her two daughter-in-laws and says, Girls, you're young. You have a whole future ahead of you. You're beautiful. I'm an older lady. I have nothing to give you. Go back. Go back to your land. Don't follow me. This was a moment. And by the way, we all have moments like that. Where we kind of weigh out the cost in a relationship related to, is this a real God relationship? Has God really done this? Is this a God thing in our life? Has this person really influenced and helped me to expand and to pursue what Christ has for my life? It's interesting. Can you imagine just for a moment? I want you to just picture this just for a moment. And think about this. I want everybody to hear me. Think about what happened when Naomi got back to Israel with not her husband, with not her two boys, but with a foreigner from Moab named Ruth. Can you imagine just for a moment them walking back into downtown Jerusalem or, or, or they were actually in, in Bethlehem? Can you imagine just seven miles outside of Jerusalem? Can you imagine when they got there? Can you imagine what everybody's thinking? Oh, hey, I, 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 see, I, see, I see Naomi coming. She's aged a little bit. Hey, where's her husband? And she comes, hey, Naomi, where, where's your husband? Well, where, Oh, I'm so sorry about that. He passed away. Hey, where are those boys? Man, they were rascals. Where, where, are, where are they? Where? They've, oh, wow, they've passed away. I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, and, and, then, and, then, and then they whisper, who's that girl that's with her? She's not one of us. She looks different. She's a Moabite. 
What is your, how many of you know when you pursue God relationships, it's going to cost you a little bit? Are y'all with me? It's going to cost you a little bit. Wait, who is that girl that's, wait a minute, time out. What is it? Who, can you imagine what was going through Ruth's mind? I can't believe that I'm here. I can't believe that I'm here. I, but I, I just know there's destiny. I know these people are all talking about me. I know I should probably go back. I bet you there came a moment. I bet you in her flesh, she probably, I don't know, maybe, maybe just, 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 just maybe once or twice, she, she probably second-guessed herself. You ever been there before? Man, there's a cost to this. It's a cost to following God. I'm walking away from my, quote, God's plural and following Jehovah, God, singular. And I'm walking with this woman in discipleship relationship. She was discipling her. How to walk through grief. How to know God. How to love Jehovah God. And all of these voices. I can't tell you the times when I've had voices in my mind. Different things have said. Different people have said. I mean, come on. We all deal with that. You deal with that. I deal with that. It's a cost when we start moving towards our destiny. It costs us something. And then we've got to know what God has said about our lives. We've got to know the different relationship. We've got, we've got to know that, 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 that we're going to obey God. Matter of fact, I'll never forget when um, our, our elders and our team came together. and We all prayed about and felt, oh gosh, years ago in 2007 and 8 that we drew up plans at our Little Creek campus in Mandeville to, to build this original sanctuary here and the buildings here. And, I, and I'll never forget I got, and I say this very respectfully, but I got a scathing email, not email, a letter from a political leader in our area. And, and the, the political leader just started, and, and I have great relationships with 99% of the political leaders in this area. Seriously, I really mean that. And they're amazing. But this particular person, and, and they, they just they went after me and started, who do you think you are? trying to build a building like that. These people in this parish don't want something like it just And it wasn't like they were on a zoning council. It was, just, it was just their personal opinion to just come after me for some reason. I have no idea. And I remember reading that email or that letter. I thought to myself, wow, that was so intense. And I remember just kind of, and I remember my, I, I talked with some, one of our guys. I said, listen, I'm, I'm going to respond to him. I said, well, just do have a good spirit. I said, I'm going to have a good spirit. They didn't have a good spirit, by the way, but I'm going to have a good spirit. But, but, and I just said, I said, I received your letter. Thank you for sending your letter. I hear your thoughts, but I respectfully disagree. We're going to obey Jesus and not you. And I just sent it back. By the way, I saw that particular person a number, this was years ago. And they couldn't look me in the eye. That's all right. I, I, you know me. I'm just, I'm just like, you're not going to hurt me. I'm just going to come up to you, love you, hug you. Hey, sorry, I'm just going to do whatever I can, you know. I'm not going to vote for you. But no, I'm just joking. I, I'm, I'm teasing. I, I'm, I'm playing. I'm playing about that a little bit. But anyway. But you got to, everybody, listen, everybody say clinger. I was going to cling to the men of God and the people that God's called us to be as a church. I was going to stick with God and God's plan and God's people. And with our elders and the people that we were, we were sticking together. I, that, that was a spirit to come divide us as a church. I wasn't going to let that spirit in this church. God had spoken our elders and all of us as men of God that we were moving forward in faith. Yeah. Ruth, listen to me closely. Ruth had to tear those lies down. Number one, 
if we're going to fulfill our destiny, and if we're going to walk in God relationships through loss, listen to me, through loss, through disappointment, number one, we've got to discern the God relationships in our life. Number two, the second thing, it's going to take courage. It's going to take courage to humble ourselves, to repent. Do you think that I've never had to apologize to Pastor Jacob? Do you think as strong personalities we've never walked through things? Remember, I don't work for him. I voluntarily call him my pastor, like you guys do with me. I, I just, I, I, we've, I've walked through things with him, though. It takes work in godly relationships, by the way. Don't just throw in the towel. If it's worth it, if you see a God thing there, it takes work to confront, to love, to care, to, to I'm sorry, to let's meet, let's work through this thing. What do you have to lose? I'll tell you what you have to lose. You have to, here's what you're going to lose. Your isolation is what you'll lose. And what you'll gain is community. I, I got to say this because I, I feel so burdened about it. You know, one of the, as a pastor, one of the things I'm so concerned about, about churches all over the world, America, and even in our community, I want everybody to hear me. Please hear me. Let me tell you what the greatest, and, and COVID-19 has been so terrible, and I know some people have been sick, and people's lives have been lost, and it's tragic. But as a church, let me tell you what I'm concerned about as well. I'm concerned about so many people being disconnected right now. And I want to say to all of you, the thousands that we are so grateful that you watch online. I said, but stay connected in a Zoom small group. You need people. Listen, you cannot do the Christian life alone. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. He wasn't alone. Elijah had Elisha. Paul had Barnabas. Jesus had Peter. Oh, the disciples. They had, we need the body of Christ right now more than ever. We need one another. Don't isolate. Don't separate. Press into community right now. I'm going to tell you something. As a pastor, when I don't have other people in my life, I get weird quick. I just start thinking strange thoughts. Victimization thoughts. Uh, I need Pastor Randy and Doug and the men and Pastor Dave to go. I need people in my life to love me and to, and to speak truth to me and to walk with me. And by the way, so do you. So do you. We all do. Ruth did. All right, I'll give you this last thing. Oh, man, the best for last. Here's the last point, and then we're done. Can I tell you how powerful this is? Some of you may have not ever heard this. Some of you may have. But here's what took place. Third point, and I'm done. Embracing God-given relationships produces destiny. Watch what happens. When Ruth and Naomi finally get back to Bethlehem, that's in Israel, right? modern-day Israel, Naomi sends Ruth out to glean in the fields and ends up meeting someone. Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. There was a relative, Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. Let me give you the story and I'll close. So, it finally dawns on Naomi. Ruth's going to follow her. Ruth's not letting go. The first one, here it is. Here it is. You guys ready? The first one was a kisser. Kissed and went back home. The second one was a cleaver. Ruth was a cleaver. So what did they do? They came. They left Moab. They came and they crossed a river. They came on the other side of the river. All right. They went to Bethlehem. They're now in the place. And Naomi gathers and says this. Okay, Ruth, you don't realize this, but let me tell you how powerful this is. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Okay, Elimelech, who was your father-in-law, he passed away. In our tradition, as Jewish people, in our tradition, here's the deal. 
the person that's next of kin, because, because, well, you married my son, who's Elimelech's son, and he died. So the next of kin that's alive is required, according to our Jewish law, to marry you. Now, I didn't want to tell you that because I didn't want you to come just for that reason. But now that you're here, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. All right? Let me tell you who the next of kin is. You see that guy out there on the other side of the field? His name's Boaz. I want you to see something. I want you to go out there and let's see what happens. Ruth goes, are you serious? This is amazing. All right, I'm going to do it. So she goes out and gleans in the field and Boaz is out there and Boaz kind of sees her and she sees Boaz. And she goes back home from work. She goes, Mom, I got to tell you something. He saw me today. It's pretty amazing. I, I, I know he did. Now, I know he's going to say that he didn't, and, but I know he did because he was watching. How many of you know? Listen, all of us know. How many of you know? You know when they're looking? Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Don't pretend like you're not looking. You know you were looking. It's like somebody told me one time. I said, man, how come you don't worship? He goes, well, I'm worshiping, Pastor. I'm single. I said, well, he goes, there's another scripture in the Bible. I said, what's that? He goes, watch and pray. I'm watching and praying for anybody that God may bring across my path in church. But anyway, that's another message. But here we go. So, so Naomi says this. Naomi says this. Listen, go back out there. So she goes back out to, to the next day, and she's out there. And next thing you know, he comes up. Here he comes. Here he comes. This is the kinsman. Everyone say kinsman. Redeemer. Here he comes. Here he comes. He comes on up. He comes on up. And he comes and says, what's your name? And she says, well, my name's Ruth. And he goes, well, my name's Boaz. Uh, you want to go to Starbucks after work? Work a little double shot? I mean, come on. I'm just saying. Okay, Hebrews? That was cheesy. Anyway, so that was so bad. I'm sorry. Hebrews, y'all didn't get it. You don't know your Bible. But anyway, or you don't understand my humor. So here we go. So she goes home. She says, it's happening. It's happened. All right, here it is. It happened. They get married. Guess what? They have a kid. Don't tell me there's not destiny in covenant relation. They have a kid. Guess what the name of their son is? You guys ready? Obed. Obed has a son. Guess what the name of his son is? Jesse. Jesse has a son. Guess what the name of his son is? King David. Listen, but wait, but wait. Guess who Jesus came from? The line of what? Say it. David, don't tell me that there isn't destiny when God puts two people together in a relationship. Are y'all with me or not? That's destiny. That's kingdom destiny. Guess who our kinsman redeemer is? It's Jesus. He's been sent to redeem us from our sin and our shame and to give us a hope and a future. And then he gives us his family, which is so amazing kingdom relationship. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads at all of our campuses. Those that are joining us online, I've got one minute left, but I just want to ask this question. Do you know Christ? Do you know your ultimate kingsman redeemer? The one that died on the cross to redeem you from your sin and your shame and your past. His name is Jesus. Do you know Christ? Do you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? I'm going to literally, I've got less than one minute left if you do not know Jesus, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. If you say, Pastor, pray for me at all of our campuses, those that are joining us online right now as well. 
whether it's Facebook Live or our YouTube channel, wherever it is, and Facebook, wherever it is, I want to pray for you. If you say, Pastor, I need Christ. I'm not sure if I die today, I'm ready to stand before God. Have you ever confessed Christ as your Savior? The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. I can't save you, my friend. Church of the King can't save you. But Jesus said, do you know Christ? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you right now, if you say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I'm going to ask you at the count of three, would you just lift your hand up high and say, Pastor, I need Christ. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high so I can see it. God bless you, ma'am. Is there anybody else? God bless you, sir. And any other campuses? Our campus pastors are on stage. Anybody else? God bless you right there. God bless you, sir, right there. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, church family, let's pray with those. God bless you, ma'am. Let's pray with those that are trusting Jesus right now. Come on, let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, everyone. Dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Give me 30 more seconds. If you prayed and trusted Christ at any of our campuses, there's cards behind your chair. It's called My Decision. I'm going to ask you to fill it out. And here's what, it's, it's actually so much simpler now. Because we're not passing our offering buckets all of our bu- during the service, all of our buckets are on the way out. Three things go in there. Number one, for all of our guests, you can put your guest cards on the way out in those buckets. Those of you that have made a decision to follow Christ, you put those in there. We want to send you a letter. Thanking you for coming to church and also about your next steps in God. And then number three, if you have your tithes and offers, you can place those in those buckets as well. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. How many of y'all enjoyed that message today? I hope that helped you guys. I want to make one other comment. People have asked about our prayer line. We're not doing our prayer line until we get into another phase. I just want to just clarify that. When the governor moves our, our church, our, our, you know, Louisiana into another phase, uh, then we'll be able to, so obviously we're not laying hands praying, but you can always receive prayer from people, all right? And those of you that are online as well. So I just wanted to emphasize why we're not having people coming up laying hands on them, because we're still in phase two, and we want to abide by that. So let me just pray for everybody and bless you on the way out. Lord, I pray the blessing over your people. God, I thank you that you're teaching us to have an ear to hear what your spirit says, to walk in your plan and your purpose, and to walk with your people, oh God. Bless your people as they go forth this day in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on, let's bless the Lord. You guys are amazing. We love you. We'll see you next week. What a great message from Pastor Steve today. We hope you were challenged and encouraged. And now we get to take what we've learned and apply it this week. We also want to make sure that you know that we're here for you and that we really want to support you in prayer. So you can let us know if you'd like prayer by texting the word CONNECT to 822-822. Our prayer team will be praying for you throughout the week, and I always want you to know this. Remember, we're a family here at Church of the King, and we wanna make sure that we're here for you, to pray for you, to encourage you, and really just continue to help you on the journey. That's right, and if you need anything from us this week, please reach out to us by emailing online at churchoftheking.com. Have a great week.